Good morning. Thank you very much to invite me today for this amazing exhibition. So, can you introduce you, yourself about uh, this exhibition? Yes. Uh, I'm Nes. I'm the head of collections of uh, Diva, the Museum for uh, Diamonds. Uh, jewelry and silver in Antwerp and uh, we can present today an exhibition in cooperation with uh, the Victoria and Albert Museum and we present here uh, 100 pieces of the Gilbert collection which is a very famous collection uh, into the field of decorative arts and this collection focuses on uh, uh, four teams. Uh, first of all, the gold boxes was a very important collection of uh, Arthur and Rosalinda Gilbert. Uh, the mosaics, uh, but also gold and silver from the 16th century to the 20th century, and uh, even also portrait miniatures. Okay, so just to before uh, to explain more about uh, the story uh, of uh, this uh, impressive uh, uh, story, so explain that this Antwerp is a very huge. Place, uh, important place for uh, for this exhibition. It's the first day for. Uh, yes, yes, we are very proud to present uh, the masterpieces in miniature exhibition uh, here in Antwerp at Diva, uh, because we are the only and first uh, venue in uh, Western Europe for this exhibition, and it was the the aim of uh, Arthur Gilbert to present his collection to the public and most objects are on show in the Victor and Albert Museum but we have now really a top selection of uh, 100 pieces of this collection here on show in Antwerp. Yes, but how many places uh, this exhibition will be uh, go? Well, first step is uh, Antwerp, uh, then it's going to Asia and the States uh, about uh, five uh, venues for this exhibition. And how long uh, does, it last, uh, does it stay here in, uh, in it, This exhibition uh, stays uh, here till the 15th of August. So the people have uh, the time to come over here and even in the touristic season, if we are happy that we are in a post-COVID period, uh, can still visit the exhibition over here. Because for us it's uh, really important, uh, we focus not only on uh, Belgian uh, tourists, but also from Germany, Holland and uh, France, for instance, that you are coming to here. And it's really a unique opportunity because uh, now with uh, COVID, uh, you can't uh, go to, to England to, to, to see his collection. But anyway, we present this type of collection in a totally other way than in the Victoria and Albert Museum. Good. So, uh, we see the, uh, um, the man who is uh, sitting uh, on the chair. Yes, is, yes. <laughs> is uh, Arthur? Yes, yes. Arthur Gilbert is uh, a, a really a personality. And uh, uh, at the end of his life, he decided to, that he wants uh, a wax figure of himself. 
And here you can see that he's represented uh, seating in his tennis outfit. Uh, because he loved tennis uh, when he lived in LA, but also with his phone in his hand. And he was phoning uh, anytime, uh, at night, at day, uh, to, uh, with the aim to, to find new pieces and uh, forbidding in auctions. And he was therefore assisted by different uh, curators and uh, experts. But he tried also to be himself an expert. So by uh, his contacts, uh, by studying the objects, what, what was really important for him, he became from a, a collectioner to connoisseur. And he wants to share all that information to the public. And that's also the reason why the Gilbert Trust uh, decided to start a touring exhibition to bring uh, the objects of art to the public. Okay, and he created his own uh, foundation. Yes, and yes, and, uh... yes. That's uh, very important. And uh, this foundation is also uh, not only for preserving and uh, present. Uh, the presentation of his collection, but uh, it's also important for social cultural work. And even more, uh, you can see that in the end of the exhibition, uh, he wants also to promote the contemporary art. Yeah. And the Gilbert Trust um, gave uh, the opportunity to Sylvia Weidenbach to be the first artist in residence. And the object that she made at that time is also part of the show. And moreover, uh, especially in Antwerp, where we have uh, a gold and silver workshop in the museum, she will give a masterclass in July and a lecture. So we are combining those important aspects of uh, the collection. Uh, from the Gilberts, together with the special aim of Arthur Gilbert himself to promote the arts. But I wonder if uh, when uh, Arthur Gilbert uh, was alive, did he, did he come here in Antwerp? Uh, he traveled a lot, but I don't know by head if he ever was in Antwerp. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what I can say is that in his collection, uh, he has uh, some Antwerp pieces. Oh, uh, for instance, a uh, 17th century ciborium made by Josef uh, Henneke uh, is in his collection, and he has also some other important uh, Belgian pieces in, in his collection. And that's very interesting for us, uh, that we can combine this information and present some of those objects here in our show. And how many pieces uh, from uh, Belgium, vintages from Belgium? Uh, in this uh, presentation, we have uh, three objects. One attributed uh, to uh, a uh, silversmith from Flanders uh, in the 16th century. Another one is an uh, 18th century snuff box with. Uh, a mother of pearl engraving by Norbert Helbroek, mm -hmm. and the ciborium made in Antwerp by Josephus Henneke. Okay, and what 
kind of object that he was very keen and very interesting by? Uh, uh, as I said, well, he was very keen on prestigious objects, objects with a real story. Uh, we have uh, different commemorative uh, pieces uh, into this uh, exhibition. Uh, for instance, for Lafayette, but also some snuff boxes with portrait miniatures or monographs by uh, referring to Napoleon, Katharina the Great, Frederick of, Pr of Prussia, Napoleon, Queen Victoria. Uh, so really uh, valuable, but also historically important yes. objects. Because he, he was also... Uh, he was building an image of himself as a wealthy man in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. who was uh, very keen on European decorative arts. Mm -hmm. Because the, the, uh, his, uh, when he, he worked, he was, what was uh, his job? He, he, was, he was working in the financial world okay. uh, buying and selling uh, buildings. Right. Yes. And he made a big fortune and all his fortune went to that uh, collection. Okay. And then sometimes he, he really wants an object that much that he paid that fabulous amounts of money to, to have those objects in his collection. And that's also very uh, important. Uh, it's the biggest collection of uh, mosaics that you have. Uh, and it represents uh, it's, it's a, uh, really the story of the mosaics in the 18th and 19th century. And on the other hand, he has also the, one of the biggest collections with uh, silver work by Paul de la Marie, one of the most famous English uh, silversmiths uh, in London. And also, outside Germany, he has the biggest collection of snuff boxes uh, ordered by Frederick of Prussia, Frederick the Great. So that's really amazing. And when you see one of the snuff boxes that is on the, uh, our campaign, it's really fabulous, fabulous box, exceptional, very rare. And he wants to have it. Yeah. Against all prizes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So he was very uh, well uh, uh, famous for his choice of. Uh, yes. And whenever, when you are talking to antique dealers about Arthur Gilbert, mm -hmm. uh, they know him all and they have all different stories about him. And we produced also a little magazine to promote the exhibition. And we have put some quotes in it. And there is a quote by Axel Revolt, and he was very positive about uh, the way uh, Gilbert collected. Oh, good. Yes. Okay. But you didn't see him, not yet. <laughs> you only saw. Uh, no. Shall we uh, take some photo? for more examples of the type of clothes they uh, made in the 30s and the 40s. And these are just two samples of, of this uh, fashion industry uh, from uh, Rosalind Gilbert. Okay. 
Yes, because also it brings some. Uh, it brings it to life. It yeah, brings it to life. And it, it is uh, good for the people to know how uh, they raised money and how they, in, in what way they collected and what were the connections of the Gilberts. But uh, what I didn't say is that uh, um, Arthur Gilbert is Jewish. Mm -hmm. uh, his uh, father was from Poland, mm -hmm. uh, emigrated to London, mm -hmm. and uh, there he met in uh, Museum Madame Tussaud. There he met yes. his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I recognize, so uh, yes, the wax. Uh, wax figure, yes, yes. yes. Figures. Uh, the strange thing is, and I'm wondering why. Uh, there was only made uh, one figure, uh, one statue from himself and not from him and his wife, Rosalinda. That's, that's a question I have, but I don't have an answer yet. Uh, and then he decided later on, uh, because uh, his father was not happy that he married to Rosalinda Gilbert, and she was the the business name of the fashion industry was Rosalinda Gilbert, and whenever he was on a reception or something, or, uh, any occasion, they called him anyway, Mr. Gilbert. So he decided afterwards uh, to take the name of his wife. Okay. <laughs> so there are many stories to tell. <laughs> Uh, not only the story of collecting uh, the amazing artworks he, he bought, uh, but also his life it's is like a, a, Russian, a Russian boxes, you know? Yes, yeah. you have the first story. And that was uh, really the aim uh, of Alice Minter, who is now the curator of the Gilbert collection, mm -hmm. uh, for not telling only the story of the objects, but on, also the, telling the story of collecting. And who is Arthur Gilbert? Mm -hmm. uh, and that are important stories to tell also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, integrated and therefore we have chosen to present first this wax figure because it was never shown before, this wax figure. In the V&A they don't allow the wax figure in the galleries. <laughs> so this is the fir very first time. So is family uh, allowed allow to uh to, to take this figure? Well, um, Mr. Gilbert has no children. Oh, uh, it's, it's, okay. it's the Gilbert Trust uh, which decides everything about the collection. Very, very important for us is to tell also about techniques. And uh, we think that's very important to tell, especially about the mosaics, because you have different types from uh, mosaics mm -hmm. that are produced in uh, mainly in Italy f from the 18th century onwards, uh, and it became very famous also in the 19th century. And the first mosaic he bought was a mistake, because he, he thought that he has bought a painting. And when he uh, came at home and he received uh, the painting again in his hands, he started studying it. And uh, it was a micro mosaic, totally made of glass. And that intrigued him very, very much. 
So he started to collect mosaics. Yes, but yes. It was not in his plan. Before. It was not planned, as <laughs> is it the case by many collectors. It was not a plan at the beginning. What is, uh, how is it called, this, uh, this place, this uh, room? It's Italian Kunst? Well, uh, yes. Arts? Italian well, Arts? The, um, the, there, are, there are four types of uh, objects in his collection, but we decided to present in the exhibition uh, three uh, types of uh, presentation. The first one is art of illusion. Okay, in this... In this... Uh, in three, yes. in this place. Yes. Okay. And here we we telling the story about the difference between uh, the pietra dure, uh, this... Uh, here you can see it uh, very well. There are two different types of uh, mosaics. Uh, here you have the micron mosaic and here the pietra dure. But it's not illusion in this... Uh... Well, it's the art of illusion. Eh? Okay. You t when you see that one, what do you think? Ah, it's a flower, it's a pot with the flowers. Yes, yeah. many people say that's a painting. It's painting, yeah. No, it's no painting, it's a micro mosaic. It are all... Oh, this is a sample that you explained to me before. Yes. Okay. Uh, this, uh, <laughs> we combine here, there, in the cabinet, you have oh. also the pietra dure yeah. um, with hard stones. And there you can see how they made uh, those type of decoration. This, uh, any visitor can see how the techniques, uh, how the objects were made. Uh, can you see on the video? If you want to have it in uh, German, French, or English, you take the QR code and you go to the website of the VNA where we uh, made subtitles for their website. So we are really working together with the VNA to inform the people about the collection and the techniques uh, from this type of works of art. Okay. Let, let's go to, to the illusion. Yes. What is the illusion in this? The time? illusion is that you think that you are looking to paintings. And that okay. uh, is made by totally different materials. And that's the art of illusion. If you are amateur or you have yes, yes. Uh, and what you also can see, uh, we have some tabletops, and the very last one uh, at the end of uh, the gang pad yes. is a table when you are looking to uh, the sky of uh, Rome, and that's a double art of illusion because it's uh, a mosaic and not a painting, yes. and it gives the illusion when you put table on the. Uh, Upside down, okay. it's like you're looking to to the sky, to heaven. Yes, it's amazing. Wow. It's really amazing. And uh, did what? He travel, did he travel a lot? Yes, of course, of course, to discover new things. Uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, he was in very narrow contact with uh, antique dealers. And they always presented new type of uh, works of art to him, yeah. too. And once uh, antique dealers know that you are searching for particular objects, some of the objects came to him. Okay. Yes. Uh, and he was uh, very often bidding on uh, 
big auctions, but after a certain time he decided not to do that anymore because when they knew that he was bidding, it was very tricky. So he decided to work together with some uh, different uh, people uh, who are bidding uh, from, for him. Behind you, uh, yes, you have some boxes, yes, and that's also very interesting in this exhibition that you can combine the different teams. Uh, you have uh, the mosaics, yes, and yes, and that's the we choose uh, Art of Illusion as first team in the exhibition because the techniques that were used to make uh, mosaics comes again to light into the other sections because uh, the micro mosaics were uh, used also for jewelry and for instance snuff boxes and some of the snuff boxes are integrated here in the first section of the exhibition like you can see over here they are really very very detailed and uh, there was um, in Italy uh, most of them were uh, produced in Italy and uh, there were many people who are visiting Italy and they want souvenirs from uh, Rome or Venice or uh, uh, Florence and they so bought... this technique is from, uh, yes. from uh, Italy? Yes, okay. uh, the most techniques are uh, the most important center where uh, this was made was uh, on one side uh, Rome, on the other hand uh, Florence. And as you know, um, glass that's particular for Venice and uh, that was a good resource uh, and inspiration for making the micro mosaics because they knew very well the techniques how to blow glass in very different colors because that's the strength of the micro mosaics. It's not only that you can use very small pieces of glass, but the coloring of glass is magnificent. They had really all knowledge to make it the very different colors for micro mosaics. Yes, because they collect the materials as well from, uh, from the world, from... Uh, a, so in, in this... Uh, in this sample, uh, this uh, this furniture uh, normally is used for uh, for which place in? Uh, in well, the the cabinet has an important place in in the room. Uh, it can both in the living room, but also in the room of wonders. Uh, mm -hmm. That you have a special cabinet to put uh, very special objects into the, the cabinet. So and as you know, in the 17th century, Antwerp was a very important center for the production of that type of cabinets. And we see that uh, further on uh, in the 17th and 18th century, there are also other countries producing uh, cabinets. And this is a really wonderful Italian example uh, with all uh, on the doors, panels, um, flowers and birds, uh, but we know that in the 17th century, for instance, there were also cabinets with silver plaques or with embroidery or paintings. And here you have this type. First, you, you, the first thing you think is that it, this is a cabinet with paintings, but it's, it's our Pietra Dure. 
Okay, and you can open each door. Uh, each door can be opened. Each door can be opened. And you have even secret rooms after some of the doors to hide a particular object. Okay. Right, and uh, the, the, the work of um, designer and uh, artist, does it exist? Does it still work? That's the kind of work? Uh, there are some restorers working in this type of techniques, and we see now a bit of a revival of this type of techniques. So there are still some uh, workshops, but not that many. Do you think that uh, this kind of uh, exhibition can uh, open to... Yes, yes, that's, uh, that's an, an uh, important function of our museum, uh, Museum for Diamonds, Jewelry mm -hmm. and Silver, is uh, to promote the crafts and to stimulate people to discover old and new techniques. And as I said before, we have a, a particular workshop here on site and people can reservate workshops for silversmithing. And as I said, uh, this uh, July, we have a masterclass uh, given by Sylvia Weidenbach for uh, designing uh, jewelry boxes. Okay. Yes, there is many things to tell about every object, but the exhibition is, uh, we have some more rooms to do. <laughs> And here you can see it's uh, how detailed it is. It's also not painted, it's micro mosaic. And here you can see some jewelry in the typical 19th century style uh, made in uh, Rome. Yeah. And then uh, earrings. And it was also is a Christian model because uh, I saw yeah, the typical about, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's Italian style the ring yes. and here the micro mosaics inspired him on a painting by Stubbs yeah. who is very famous for uh, painting animals okay. and then we see that uh, in Russia there was uh, they were very interested in that type of techniques and this table, uh, this is just a table top, uh, but in, in real life it's a table, uh, was acquired uh, in Italy and transported to uh, St. Petersburg to be an example for the local craftsmen. And I see the different types of works that were made in Russia. Yes, it's a typically yes. because I saw. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, his collection of uh, silver and gold is more international, and one of the biggest pieces in his uh, collection are the gates from a church in uh, Kiev, uh, probably given by Char uh, Tsarina Katrina the Great to that church. And Arthur bought this, and Rosalind was not happy with this. It, uh, when he bought this at auction, uh, he was obliged to put it in his garage, oh. unpacked. Okay. <laughs> and it lasts till 1984, when there was an uh, exhibition organized in uh, LA, when this work of art was first presented. 
But when it moved to England, it uh, was put again in the storage rooms. So now it's this, just the second time that these gates are on show. And they were made... Uh, Since 1969. Huh? Since uh, uh, no, was the, the first thing he bought in silver was the, this uh, uh, confiturier. Uh, and this one he bought in the, I don't know by heads, when, whenever he, he bought the pieces, but I think uh, in, in the 70s. Uh, this uh, was bought in the 70s, and in 1984 was presented in LA, and now for the second time presented here in Antwerp. I imagine that this door is heavy. Very heavy, and uh, it's totally in silver and silver yes. gilt. Mm -hmm. And it was made in 1784. And that's a bit strange because we are used to see at that time neoclassical work, but it's real Rococo, something you expect between the 1730s and the 1760s. So it, yes, it's a real- 15th century to yeah, yeah. 16th century, yes. you are right. Yes. That's why when we, we, we were in the other room, it precise about the Italian's eyes, yeah. and after maybe yeah. it was influenced maybe yeah. by. Uh, yes, and uh, um, we see also uh, that he collected for gold and silver uh, in a broader range, uh, as mm -hmm. you can see over here. Uh, you see different uh, 16th and early 17th century pieces of art. Renaissance. Yes, yeah. the really Renaissance, except the one in the right corner uh, down. Uh, that's 18th century, and you see that he collected uh, coconuts, uh, cups, uh, ships in uh, gilded silver, and also a partridge cup, which is very, very rare. And that was for him his most important object in his collection, because uh, when he donated the collection to the United Kingdom, he is knighted and he has chosen the portraits as his symbol for his blazon. Uh, right, yes, yeah. it was for him a really uh, important object because uh, drinking cups in a mother of pearl are very, very, very rare. And so he collected the most amazing pieces. Uh, one we don't have on show is, for instance, in a Silver Swan. And this one uh, can move the head and the wings. And also this ah, okay. uh, falcon cap, yeah. the wings of the falcon can be moved. Okay. Yes, uh, here you, we present some tableware uh, from some uh, famous uh, English silversmiths. He has, the, for instance, the biggest collection of Paul de la Marie work. Not only this water kettle, but also over there, we have some candles. Also made by Paul de la Marie. Also, the sconce is made by Paul de la Marie. And he's um, a, a very fantastic so 18th century. Paul de la Marie is uh... one of the most important London silversmiths. But he was born in France. And like many Huguenots, uh, he is uh, emigrated to, to London. And within the um, 
silversmiths in London, uh, 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 the Huguenots were very important. And when you're studying London uh, silver for the 18th century, on many occasions you will see that the Huguenot silversmiths were the most important ones. Yes, and Paul, especially Paul de la Marie. And therefore, um, uh, Gilbert had, had really good nose to select uh, important works of art in the different layers of his collection. And this Epernier, and that's also very strange to use that name, it's a, a centerpiece. This was put on a table for presenting the dessert, uh, fruits, uh, sweetmeats, and uh, it's, it's, it's the real Rococo uh, made by Thomas Pitts. It's very fine and they called it an Epernier, but this is a word that even not exists in France because uh, Paris, uh, Paris was really the cultural center in the 18th century and many of the English uh, landlords, um, in, um, in English noblemen uh, were buying uh, French products. Uh, there was the imitation of the French style, uh, also the language, French language was important. And the same was uh, applicable for Russia, for instance. So they were working à la mode de Paris. And this is an example. But the strange thing is that they invented a name that even not was used in, in Paris for this type of uh, vessel. Are there some of Flemish uh, art in, uh, in this exhibition? Yes, uh, then, then we go back to the back side. Yes. Yes. Uh, for instance, uh, this uh, Nautilus cup, uh, it's not sure whether it's made in England or in uh, Flanders, but uh, Flanders was uh, very known for uh, making silver mounts with fabulous uh, decoration uh, inspired by the work of uh, Cornelis Floris. Uh, but we don't have in this case proof that it was really made in uh, Flanders, but um, this is an attribution. In another showcase, we have a 17th century object. This ciborium was made in Antwerp by Josephus Henneken, who was one of the important silversmiths here in Antwerp. And this one is of the end of the 17th century. And it's also amazing that Arthur Gilbert was not collecting only civil silver or tableware, but also some religious objects. And this is ciborium which is uh, used in the Roman Catholic Church. Is there, uh, uh, at the time and, and now, um, a school, uh, art school for silver? Uh, uh, in, Belgium, in Belgium, you have uh, different schools where you can uh, both study for jewelry and silver. Uh, you have the Academy in, in Antwerp. You have the high school, Karl de Grote, here in Antwerp but also at the University of Hasselt, uh, you can study. And in Brussels, you have also some uh, 
But at that time, uh, the student... Uh, oh, in the 17th century? Yes. Oh, no. Then uh, you have a guild. Uh, and uh, the, the younger people were teached by other silversmiths. Yes, but, the master who, yes. uh, And they could teach. became, uh, teaching was at least four years. Mm -hmm. And at, when they are age 25, they could become master. But uh, at that moment, they must uh, make a masterpiece mm -hmm. uh, to become silversmith official silversmith. Uh, but on the other hand, um, in Antwerp, you have at the end of the 17th century, the academy all already. But that was more for uh, painting and to how to learn to design. Okay. Drawing classes, uh, drawing classes, uh, sculpting, uh, painting, and so on. Okay. And some of the, the most famous silversmiths uh, went also to the academy. And then you have also some private schools. Um, that, that's really my cup of tea for the 17th and the 18th century here in Antwerp. You have some uh, sculptors uh, who have a private uh, school for drawing and sculpting. Good. And what about the gold, uh, silver or uh, white? Well, here you can see different type of objects. Uh, one made in 19th century uh, France is uh, gilded silver, also the Ciborium made end of 17th century, uh, made in Antwerp in gilt silver, and then you have a gold beaker and uh, silver made in uh, Russia, St. Petersburg, 18th century. So they're working in different materials, and that's uh, some, sometimes difficult to explain. You have a gold workers, you have silver workers, you have plate workers, and there is really within the world of gold and silver specialization. And some silversmiths are more specialized in religious uh, silverware, other in tableware, other ones in snuff boxes. Or there are also some silversmiths that were working on particular techniques. So when they're working together with different uh, workshops. And uh, you talk about the uh, guild uh, at that time. Are, are there, uh, were there only uh, uh, in Antwerpen to, to develop their, uh, their art? Or it was. Uh, it was the, uh, spread the all, all over the country, country, but in the, in the different cities. Uh, you have Antwerp, you have Bruges, Ghent, Brussels, mm -hmm. and there are also important silversmiths in that uh, type of cities. But uh, for the 16th century and the 17th century, the most known silversmiths were working in Antwerp. And that's uh, really amazing is that uh, when you're staying here now in the exhibition, you are very near to the city hall and the marketplace. And uh, on the other side of the museum, you have the silversmith street. So many of the silversmiths were living here, right on the place where we are now in the museum. Okay. And, that's and you, you, people, tourists can visit uh, the place to, to meet uh, some silver uh, craft or... Uh... Uh, well, uh, in, uh, what I'm telling about is from the 16th, 17th yes, and 18th yes, century. Yes, but, no, 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 but uh, we are working as a museum together with uh, some jewelers and you can uh, follow uh, by foot 
uh, a tour through the city, uh, the Koudenstraatjes, the gold streets, uh, to learn more about contemporary jewelry. Excellent. <laughs> so we are really integrated into uh, Antwerp historic center, mm -hmm. but also working together with contemporary uh, mm -hmm. people, both in a workshop as for a guided tour in the gold streets. True, and also to understand the atmosphere of the yes, city. Yes, the, the atmosphere of the city, the techniques, uh, the, the artists, uh, artistic, artistic point of view, all those aspects are connected to the museum. Good. So, next step. Yes. <laughs> So it's an amazing door. Yes, absolutely. And when you're coming from there on, you have the pres perspective uh, of the gate. It's like at a certain moment, the gate will open and you can enter the room by that way. <laughs> yes. 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 And um, the curator of the Viennet uh, has uh, selected objects also by uh, monumentality or importance and then you see that some of the important objects are really small and other ones are very big and some are gilded there you have objects just in silver and they have a different type of shine that is the English title for this room is uh, shine and scale and in Dutch sound monumental mm -hmm. And you choose also, uh, I talked about the atmosphere because uh, in this uh, exhibition, you should very, how can I say, very um, in, in time, you know, about yes. the private life of, uh, yes. of uh, Gilbert. And uh, it's uh, really... Yes, it's a warm it's welcome. A feeling, uh, it's a warm welcome, and that's uh, very important. And you can learn step by step how we collected and what he collected. And there's a lot of space to walk, uh, a lot of space to go to the objects, and you can quietly look to the objects very closely. And that was also one of his aims, that you could look very closely to objects. Most people are immediately impressed by, by this selection of uh, objects. But when you know that you have 1,000 objects in this collection... Yes, but I think it's good... It's time good. To, to, to visit all, uh, yeah. all yes. exhibitions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes. And the rest of the objects it's, it's stay in London. It's staying in London, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. But I will surely introduce you in the last uh, section of uh, the exhibition. Uh, the most famous part of his collection, by the way. Oh yes, this is, uh, this is uh, made in Augsburg, 17th century. And Augsburg was really famous for uh, making uh, traveling sets uh, with silver and gold uh, objects. And this is just a part of a 26-part toilet set. Travelling set. Travelling set. Yes. 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 Yes
being said? What does it mean? Well, uh, people in the 17th century and in the 18th century were moving constantly. And you can't imagine what they took with them on their, from their summer to their winter residence. But also when they traveled to other countries, they brought their own service together with all other things in their carriages. And uh, it could be uh, things for toilet or tea service or a sewing set. They all brought it with them. And uh, often with their own armorials uh, there on uh, the objects engraved or chased or even casted. Uh, as you can see here, uh, this is not from a traveling set but uh, a whiskey flagon. Uh, but here you see an, uh, uh, it's for cleaning your ears, a toothpick, a cachette uh, to stamp to stamp with wax your seal, mm -hmm. uh, and this is a, uh, even an amazing. It's amazing. And Tobias Bauer, the Augsburg silversmith, was also known to integrate some in my into uh, the gold or silver. Okay. And oh, I'm gonna you take your oh, scarf. Oh my god. Yes. And the uh, Tobias Bohr and the uh, other two who is here? The, the guy who uh, who who has uh, this uh, object Well in, in this case we don't know who owned uh, this uh, traveling set. Okay. okay. But Tobias Bauer has uh, made it in uh, Augsburg. Okay. Yes, and some uh, of the pieces are very sculptural, uh, really monumental. Uh, surely the ones from the 19th century, uh, when you see this commemorative piece, uh, it's made uh, by Hunt and Roskell. We were, were uh, very famous. Uh, for this type of objects, and they presented their works on international exhibitions in 1851, 1862, for instance, at Crystal Palace in uh, London. And that's uh, also very interesting because you have the contemporary 19th century silver, and it was often combined with historical exhibitions. And for instance, the Partridge Cup was presented in 1862 also on an exhibition in Crystal Palace. So the history of the objects is also very interesting. Yes, very wonderful. This is a typical example of uh, the Empire uh, style, um, created after the visit uh, of Napoleon uh, to uh, Egypt. And then they started uh, many silversmiths to work in, in this type of style. And this one is uh, made by Paul Storr, another famous uh, English silversmith. Excuse me. Paul Store, Paul Store. It's uh, one of the other uh, famous English silversmiths, and he worked uh, a lot together with Rundle Bridge and Rundle, 
who were the royal purveyors in England, but not only in England, but also in Belgium uh, after 1830. Because uh, King Leopold I was first married to the Princess of Wales, but she died uh, very early. Yeah. And afterwards, he, uh, he became King of the Belgians. And uh, in the collection, the Belgian royal collection, we have also some uh, very important works uh, made by uh, Rundle Bridge and Rundle. It's really the top uh, in the first half of the 19th century London. Also this, uh, uh, that's uh, another uh, workshop, uh, James and Elizabeth Blind. Um, this was made in the end of the 18th century. It's a wine cooler. And um, this uh, belonged to uh, one of the sons of George III. And that's also amazing because the Turin was uh, in the collection of one of his brothers. So there is really a royal context for those two objects. So for all, so for you, it would be uh, interesting, but also uh, for the difficult to to, uh, to make some link because some there is a lot of objects. There is a lot to, to, to tell. To there is a lot to tell, <laughs> and um, uh, happily can we select? can inform the people on different levels. Mm -hmm. You have some general texts. We have particular texts about groups of objects or even individual objects. And on the other side, you have also the catalogue, uh, which is published in English. And here we are starting with the snuffbox and the portrait miniatures. And therefore, we decided also to have some objects on loan from the Fashion Museum in Antwerp. Um, to show how snuffboxes were integrated in um, a sack that was put around the waist. Okay. So they are really yes, they were both both wearing snuffboxes, and you. Uh, that's the real strange thing about snuffboxes. They are decorated overall, at the bottom, at the upper side, at the cover inside they were decorated overall and there are some snuff boxes that are very different to present in an exhibition because the, uh, they are not flat because they were wearing the uh, snuff boxes uh, really and they were made in very very different materials uh, mostly gold uh, but also with the addition of uh, diamonds. And the first snuffbox you see over here uh, was donated to Mr. Dimsdale. And <laughs> that was uh, the last object added to the exhibition because he got this uh, snuffbox because he invented a technique to, uh, for um, vaccination. Vaccination, yes, of course. <laughs> and now we wear Nowadays. We but at that time, he got a really very valuable snuff box with uh, diamonds for inventing a vaccine. Yes, it's a small box. Uh, uh, for, for me, it's a big box. <laughs> but here you have a more 
intimate uh, box, but from uh, bigger proportions. Well, uh, what they, uh, they put inside? Uh, tobacco. Tobacco. And not for uh, smoking cigars or cigarettes, but for sniffing. Ah, yeah. Uh, en français, bois uh, apprisé. Mm -hmm. And they were very valuable. And it was also sort of, uh, in some cases, it was a diplomatic gift or to commemorate a special thing people did. And the people could choose whether they kept the objects with them or uh, uh, sold the diamonds apart and melting gold for money. It, they were not paid for uh, diplomatic or other services but they got a box and it was up to the person to decide what he would do with this. Keep it in his, uh, use it, keep it in his uh, cabinet, uh, give it to family or to make money of it. That were the different opportunities for the person who got such an uh, uh, reward. Uh, Yes, that's very fabulous, very fabulous. <laughs> this was made by James Cox. It's also a nécessaire. Um, yes, uh, it's like I told uh, about the traveling set. Uh, this was the intention that you took this with you. And uh, it's often the case that um, they made some particular objects uh, together with um, the case for letting it travel. And uh, in the upper box you have uh, sewing uh, uh, elements um, in it. And James Cox is very famous for his so automats and timepieces. Oh, it all is in, made in, a, in a gold? No, uh, you have different materials. Uh, you have uh, a hearthstone, I guess. And then uh, you can see here that it's in indeed with gold. Uh, in this case, this is not gilded silver, but gold. And then you have a Mai and some other stones uh, integrated. What kind of stone? Um, these are imitations. Uh, they are from glass. Okay. But in other objects like that one, you have the real diamonds. And we have another example with real rubies. Uh, but James Cox was that important for his automats and uh, timepieces that he was invited by yes. the Emperor of China. Because uh, during the uh, 18th century, it's very yes. Yeah. Uh, usually they, uh, uh, you have, they, uh, go, they bought some uh, object yeah. with automat with uh, yes. clam and uh, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. And here you can see, for instance, a box with the chiffre or monogram by Queen Victoria. The portraits painted by Isa B, one of the most important uh, portrait miniaturists. Uh, you have another box of Frederick of Prussia uh, with maps uh, of all his wars that he won. <laughs> So that's very interesting. And that's also interesting. This is called in uh, a boîte à portrait, mm -hmm. but it's not really a box. And that's a strange thing about it. But they called it immediately in boîte à portrait, while we should say it's more a medallion. But they call and it a. People wore uh, 
wearing it. Uh, yes, you have. Uh, you can could hang it on uh, a ribbon uh, on your neck, or in other cases, you can could pin it. Uh, mm -hmm. Here we say something about techniques and the different techniques. On the one side, you have enamel, uh, but also the particular decoration. It's like oyster. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's also particular for snuff boxes. They were made in all types of objects. Uh, further on, you can see a cushion mm -hmm. that is a snuff box. <laughs> but uh, you have also uh, snuff boxes in the form of dogs or uh, any other animal or uh, furniture. It's uh, they were very inventive. Yes. Uh, for, uh, for instance, this is a uh, very important one made by Jean-Luc Rollet, who was the most famous uh, French gold box maker in the 18th century. So all well-known artists are represented in his collection. Uh, the very important historical persons are represented in the collection. It's really, really amazing. This is a very strange one. Anchor, anchor with. Uh, yeah. It was a special. This is a very particular described. box. It's in gold. Yes. While you should think it's it's wood carving from the the black wood in in Germany, but it's it's really made in uh, in gold, and they made a coffin of uh, crystal around it. And that's that's it's very strange to me, but but very interesting. Because they cover of glass. Yes. These are two very typical 18th century examples. That's a very particular 19th century example. This one. That's 19th. 19th century, yes. And this. This is 18th century. This is a very typical classical one. Uh, this is a classical one, but very valuable. <laughs> and to protect. Uh, each um, each piece from you know the time from the not be uh, how can I say because uh, not uh, it yes. is created during uh, mm -hmm. 18th and uh, we are very very carefully we are yeah, very carefully because, uh, well. uh, and you can see some boxes were made uh, in different uh, countries. Uh, this is a, a, I like it very much, made in uh, Sweden. Uh, you have also one in Vienna. Uh, you have also very different material, uh, very different materials, lacquer work. Uh, this is made by the, another famous uh, miniaturist, uh, Van Blarenberg. And here you have also an, a Belgian example. It's an engraving made by Norbert Heilbroek was very famous for engraving on Mother of Pearl. And oh. all those plaques of Mother of Pearl were distributed all over Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, and some, sometimes immediately after the creation of the uh, Mother of Pearl plaques, but sometimes 20 years later mounted in a silver or gold cage. Because this material of technique Yes. was only in this place at that time. No, there were different uh, centers of production, but for the Southern Netherlands, uh, he was the one 
who was uh, very good in uh, engraving Mother of Pearl. And they were very sought after, and so the plaques were sent to different uh, countries. We know snuff boxes made in London, Amsterdam, Bruges, Oudenaarde, Ghent, with plaques of uh, Norbert Heilbroek. So they're working really together at the same time and even later on. And we are nearly to the end of the exhibition, but this is the most famous piece in this collection and we're very proud to have it here on show. This was made uh, for Friedrich of Prussia, Friedrich the Great. And it's made in hard stone, the chiroplast, the green stone, just two parts with a gold mount and it is amazing and uh, full of diamonds not only on the upper side they're also on the back inside yes, that's why you, you, you put a, a mirror to see yes that even beneath there are yes yes and when you're putting light on those stones they are not translucent, but you see the difference in color when you don't uh, lighten it, it, it's dark green. When you're putting light on it, it's like the light is going slightly through the box. And this piece is called Frederick the Grote. Uh, Frederick the Grote was the one who ordered uh, the snuff box. And uh, within the collection, there are different, he has uh, five uh, boxes. Uh, that were connected to Frederick of Prussia and in total uh, of 26 preserved boxes. So he has really, yes, he had a good eye, he had the money to, to, to make it really an important collection. And therefore, we are because both that proud. Time, they, uh, all uh, kingdom uh, would like to, to have their own. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, and um, many of those uh, emperors or uh, uh, kings um, have given these uh, boxes to other people for diplomatic reasons or to family. And you can open your, this, uh, this box. Yes, we were not allowed to open this no, box. No, no, no. My but it is normally to open. open. Yes, and there was snuff inside. Awesome. And you could also use the box for giving signals. No, 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 no. You could uh, giving signals to other people uh, in the way you opened the box or had it on on. Uh, presented to other people. They could understand what you want to say without uh, using words. It's like uh, fans have also different meanings when they are open, closed, before the eyes. And there is also a language for snuff boxes. Uh, yes, uh, but I'm really, uh, how can I say, I'm uh, astonished, I'm surprised because normally it, it, it is Small, yes. Yes, you, sh you should expect uh, tiny boxes, but they are really <laughs> consistent, impressing, impressing, yes. impressing, impressing, absolutely. Wow, glasses. 
Yes, and that's one we also use in uh, to promote the exhibition. It's uh, a very lovely snuff box in uh, crystal rock, together with uh, enamel diamonds and gold. Also in the same century, yeah. but not in the same place. Uh, nearly the, the same place, uh, because uh, this was made in Berlin, but the court of Friedrich of Prussia was in uh, Dresden, and Dresden is very important. So. Yes, because uh, at the time the yes. Tsar and uh, yes. Germany Kingdom yeah. was very linked to. Yes, yes. And so within this exhibition you have different uh, wonders to look at. Yes. It's, it's really amazing to have all those objects uh, here in Antwerp uh, on show. And you can take your time to look at it. Yes, okay. <laughs> and then you go back to uh, the start of the exhibition.